Assalamu alaikum everyone. I hope you guys are doing amazing. So for this episode, your girl, she did her homework. She came prepared. Mm -hmm. As I should be. I found a cute Islamic conversation deck thingy. So we're going to play it. We're going to answer some of those questions. And I think that it has some really interesting conversation starters and some interesting things to think about and to journal about if you're a journal girly like me. So I think it's interesting. And I think that they're definitely questions that will kind of have you reflecting more on some good stuff. So per I did my homework as I should. Um, That's a moment. That's a moment. It's not every day. But when it happens, it happens hard. So anyway, let's play. Okay, very first question. What does the ayah, so remember me, I will remember you, mean to you and how do you remember Allah? Cool. Okay, so I think that this ayah has a lot of different meanings for everybody, literally. Um, And I think that for me, this ayah really taught me that, you know, it's something that I think that, well, I guess like, I guess the only way that this would make sense is that, you know, when you think about some of the most richest and famous people ever in the world, right? And, like, they're so famous. Like, they're incredibly famous. Everybody knows them. And even if that's in history, right, um, they're very well-known for the most part. And if they're alive right now, they're very well-known. And I think that one of the things that I learned in my life um, growing up, especially my teenager phase, um, is... We all have a desire to be seen, to be remembered, and to be heard, and to be paid attention to. And this is something that I think is innate in the human being. I think that this is something that is, we're built in like that. You know, since we're little and we're children, when we start walking, we start crawling, we instantly look at our parents like, oh my god, are my parents seeing this? Like, oh my god, and your parents hype you up and you get so happy. And then, you know, when you're in kindergarten and first grade and second grade, you know, you draw something for your parents and you're like, look, look, like you just want to show your parents, you just want your parents to see um that you know as you grow older um whether that's going through middle school and high school like you want your friends to see or you post stuff on social media that you think you know this is going to gain a lot of attraction it's going to give a lot of hype like i feel like there's this general consensus of we constantly do things because we want it to be seen and we see this happen even with people that are incredibly rich and famous that might not even be muslim right we see so many hospitals we see so many um big companies that were donated on the names of very famous people that donated that much money before they died and they were like yo name it at my name and they named it at their name and you know it's like this this type of thing of I want everyone to remember me or I want to be seen and I think that that is a crazy desire because it will make you do things that you don't want to do and I think that that's where a lot of Muslims unfortunately when you fall short and I think that as a woman and to be quite frank with you the discussion of modesty as you grow older as a Muslim woman you start to learn that the way that you dress the way that you act the way that you carry yourself your character is very very different than other women and I think that when you see the way that other women get attention or you see the way that things tend to flow in a lot more easily if you're not a hijabi if you're not a niqabi um, if you don't have to dress the way that you dress you see that you know you're generally favored a little bit more in the public eye Uh, you don't have to deal with Islamophobia you are definitely favored more in different fields of work um 
And this isn't guilt tripping. This isn't guilt tripping. You know, I feel like before I wore the hijab, um, I've never, I didn't really have anybody in my, I didn't really have a lot of people that are like, go for it. Everybody was like, bro, like you're going to put it on and you're going to go through stuff. And that was like the only thing people told me. Um, I remember some of my close friends, they were like, yes, 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 yes. Who cares what people think? Who cares what people put it on, put it on. Um, and I, you know, Alhamdulillah, I put it on when I had to put it on. So putting it on right when you hit that age of puberty is something that I recommend old girls to do. Do not fall into that realm of whatever your family might say or whatever society might say. I'm, I'm going to be honest, and I know I might get some hate for this. It's very common in Pakistani families for, and I'm not saying this is my family because my parents, like, puberty hit, hijab on type of family, right? But it's very common in a lot of Pakistani families, from what I know, is that they delay their daughters wearing the hijab and they're like constantly like oh you know what when you get to college and then sometimes when you're in high school it's like oh not in high school because you have to get into a good college and when you're in a good college it's not and not in college because you know when you're applying for a job or you're trying to get into your master's like people don't people necessarily they don't necessarily have this deep incline towards hijabis and muslim people and you know islamophobia and everything in the third so it's not like don't do it and it, i feel like the amount of people and amount of parents that i've heard with my own mouth say that is crazy i've talked to a lot of young girls that are like 14 15 some of them even being within my own family and i i've always told them i'm like don't listen to it don't listen to it like put on your hijab don't listen to it because you know a lot of times our parents they think that they're doing stuff that is better for us when they're not and islamically if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told you to put it on at an age then do it i know lots of girls think that if i take off my hijab it's going to get easier but disobeying god never makes anything easier allah sends down commands to us in our life and stuff that we have to do to make our life easier we are sent down the commands of how to, you know, dress ourselves, how to take care of ourselves, how to manage a business, how to be within our family. You know, the different things, whether that's about zakah, whether that's about how we should deal with one another. Every single little ruling in Islam and things that we learn, it's all to make our own life easier. And when we view these things and don't put a proper effort into making these things happen and we view them as hard and we don't take the proper steps needed, we make our own life harder. And I think that that's something that I would tell a lot of girls. If you're struggling to wear your hijab and you think that delaying it from high school to college to college to job to job to getting married, you know, subhanAllah, I'm going to tell you something. And this is just a lesson, a learning moment, um, just, just for some learning purposes, just for learning purpose. My younger brother's friend came over to our house one time. I think he's like in sixth grade, right? So he came over to our house one time and he asks very, very interesting questions. He's a very, very chatty little kid. He just asks very, very interesting questions. I've seen him grow up since he was like two, three years old. So he views me as his older sister and he always just asks me everything. And he's like, Baji, what's this? Baji, what's that? I'm just like, oh my goodness. So he just always asks me a bunch of questions. Um, and he asked me this question and he says to me, Hira Baji, when people get married, when women get married, do they take off their hijab? Are you going to take off your hijab? And I was staring at him. I'm like, huh? i was so confused and he was like nothing never mind and he changed the topic so quick and i was like who taught you that and then he changed the topic so fast and then he just started like swerving around in topics and i was like who taught you that he's like well every time i see girls get married they take off their hijab and you know what say what you want but he's not wrong i see it all the time it's very common i know i'm pakistani i'm just speaking from my experience from what i know it's very common when a lot of girls get married they take off their hijab and it's very insane i'm not saying i'm not saying old girls do it 
and I know a lot of girls do, still do do it. It's not that. I'm just saying it's very, it's not unknown. It's very common for girls to get married and they take off their hijab. And it's something that kind of blows my mind. And I think it's really cultural because a lot of times when you're a new bride, people are like, oh, why are you wearing that? Like, you know, you're young, you're this, you're that. Oh, babe, I'm Muslim. Leave me alone. Like, they have all of these, these things that like, you know, you should dress like this. It should be like this, whatever. And so they will like encourage, you know, whether that's like, your mother-in-law or like your own parents like they'll encourage you to take off the hijab because it's your days of youth uh i can die anytime i'm fine i'll pass on the days of youth of taking off my hijab i'm good Mila protect us but by the way you can still look really pretty with your hijab on i don't know why people have that preference but you know it's very interesting because someone that young could ask such a question of okay so when when y'all get married you take off your hijab and he asked me some very interesting questions like that before like do you have to pray um, once you get married, and I was like, huh? Like, what? And it's, it's so interesting, because these things are things that a lot of kids think about, like, you know, because, let's be honest, kids learn from example, and when kids see adults get married, and they stop praying, or they take off their hijab, and, you know, he, was, he always just asks me weird questions, and so it's like, these are, like, just the tip of the iceberg, <laughs> but the, these weird questions, right? And whether that's, you know, do you guys have to pray when you get married or this or that or hijab? And I have the hijab question is something that I've seen plenty of kids ask. This is something that I see a lot of people ask, even grown adults. Um, so this is not new. But it's always interesting because kids learn from example. And, you know, since essentially kids really do learn from example, like we said, it's like when they see like their older sister, their older cousins, or even like their own parents, like they don't see them praying, they don't see them reading Quran, they don't see them doing these things. It's, it kind of rings a spell. And a lot of the reasons why, you know, some of us, unfortunately, whether that's like I was mentioning earlier, with the discussion of modesty and hayyan and whatnot, um, as a Muslim woman, as you grow older, even if you're not married, right? Um, That was just what an example was given, but you kind of see how you're treated and i think that a lot of problems that a lot of hijabis and muslim women period dressing modest have is that oh well i'm not gonna get this job if i'm like this i'm not gonna get in be able to work in this he field if i'm like this um if you are a hijabi in healthcare you're told that your hijab is unsanitary you hear very interesting things um and i think that one of the things that i've learned in my own personal life is that i've seen incredibly successful people um that are not muslim fall i've seen non-muslims that don't necessarily wear the hijab that do dress the way that you know society wants them to dress that do do the activities that society wants them to do and i've seen them fall face front too i've seen niqabis and hijabis face a lot of islamophobia i've seen it all and i think that what i've really come to terms with is that I'm not about to fail my real test to pass this test. And that's something that I always tell myself. I'm not going to take off my hijab because it's convenient to you. I don't care if you'd much rather see me as a non-hijabi. I don't care if you think that I look prettier that way. I don't care if you think that I'm going to get a better job that way. Because there is no baraka, no afiyat, no risk, no happiness in what I'm attaining if I have to sacrifice my principles for it. And so for me... I actually, when I, you know, put on this hijab and everyone, you know, gave me like these, these concepts. And even in high school, like I heard a lot of stuff from even people around me, especially with the high school that I went to, since I was like the only Muslim there and it's really a predominantly not a diverse school. I heard a lot of things and at a lot of given points, um, I had even teachers ask me like, 
oh, so mm, I don't remember, like, you know, why, why are you wearing that? Or like, did you choose this religion yourself? I one time I had to do this project where we had to share like a vision board of what we want for upcoming lives, right? So I made a vision board. And um, one of the things that I put was just like, oh, you know, get better in my faith. It was just a small little thing in the corner. And then those like other stuff, like, you know, school academic related. And I had a teacher ask me, she's like, okay, so, you know, we had to go around explaining our vision board. And she was like, so tell me about your faith. Is this something you chose for yourself? Or is this something that, you know, and then she, I knew where this was going. And I, I was very quick. I was like, I chose this for myself. I'm very happy. And this is my decision. <laughs> and so, you hear things, and I, I heard things even from Muslim people that are like, oh, you know, I don't know if wearing a hijab would be the smartest of idea in college or in high school or here or there. And I was like, I don't care if you think it's a smart idea or a dumb idea. This is what God has told me to do. So I think that as a Muslim woman, you do at a, at a lot of stages in your life you know, have this desire to be seen, to be heard. And I think that it comes from anybody, even if you're a Muslim man. And even if you're not Muslim, as you grow older, like I said, it's innate within us to have this desire to be seen, to be heard, to, you know, whether that's showing our parents from when we're little, like, oh, look, I drew something, mommy, look at it, look at it, look at it, or you taking your first steps and you want them to see. Or when you, like, graduate elementary school and you're like, oh my god, mom, look, 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 and you, just, you just want them to see, you want them to see, because it makes you feel more validated, it makes you feel more, you know, better than as you grow older and becoming a teenager whether you're a guy or a girl like you see how different life can get you see that you know what like if i start dating around or if i go out with this person or if i start partying if i start doing dressing like this like i'm gonna get this attention people are going to like me and and even if you say to yourself that you're not somebody who chases validation when you examine a lot of the sins that you know that are commonly done a lot of it is for that reason right um whether that's even committing zinna. Zinna has a lot of levels. I've talked about zinna before. And of course, within the fact that it's a desire and it wasn't controlled and stuff happened. You know, it all starts off. Zinna doesn't start off just like I like I always say. Zinna is not um, something that happens overnight. It's a door that, slo that slowly opens up. So it starts off, if you want me to be quite frank with you, with not lowering your gaze. Something so small is not lowering gaze. Seems small in the picture, but it's not small. But it's some, it starts off with not lowering your gaze, right? Because you don't just see somebody and be like, okay, it's in a, no. Um, it starts off with not lowering your gaze. And then not lowering your gaze turns to, I want this person to see me. I want to do something that'll get this person's attention. And whether that's dressing a type of way, doing a type of thing, posting stuff that might get their attention. Just like doing stuff in a type of way to gain this person's attention and their, you know, all this and that, it leads one thing to another. And I'm not saying that that necessarily leads to zen and no cases. But when you just look at a lot of these things in life, it, a lot of times we do things for people to see us and a lot of times we see millionaires you know when they're dying even if they're like atheists even if they're not muslim like they're like you know what i'm donate like a million dollars to the hospital make that hospital my name you like we know this desire that like okay i want to be known and of course it could be done have good intent as well but we see a lot of you know millionaires they want this extensive attention um this extensive type of thing they're doing extensive pr to be seen to you know this is my new launch whatever it might be and of course we might also consider that some marketing strategies whatever there's always this sense of wanting to be seen and i think that in my life when i learned that the best place to be seen is allah's eyes then i feel like everything changed for me because when you remember allah and you realize that he remembers you it is something that will change your life because no matter how remembered you are by people, you will always be forgotten. You can be an incredibly big millionaire. You can be incredibly famous. You can be incredibly wealthy. You will be forgotten. 
you can be stuck in a desert, you can be deserted, you can have no followers, you can be going through the hardest trials, no one will know but Allah will know, prime example, Nuh alayhi salam, right? Nuh alayhi salam had barely a handful of followers, but Nuh alayhi salam was remembered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and so today he's in the Quran where millions of Muslims read about it, where millions of Muslims have memorized it. At the time, Nuh Islam did not have many followers. He didn't have a lot of people that saw what he did. And if anything, he was made fun of. But Nuh Islam remembered Allah. And so Allah remembered him. Another prime example, Hajar. Hajar ran in the desert seven times. There is no live stream in the desert. <laughs> There's no, let me take out my phone at the time and put this on live on IG Reels so everybody can see. There's no, I'm going to go and write a big book about this. Hajar was not, you know, she didn't have a bunch of scribes with her down writing down the entire history. Oh my God, she ran between the set. She ran seven times. Mm-mm, no, there was none of that. She remembered Allah, Allah remembered her. And we talk about her till this very day. When Ibrahim al-Islam left his family, that's not easy for anybody. Leaving your family, your own father, your own family, leave it, it's not easy. It wasn't, you know, written down, okay, you know what, let me write this down, my, you know, incredibly rich and famous scribes that are going to write down my history and preserve it. No, he left his family, he made those sacrifices, he did what he had to do for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remembered him. When you remember Allah, Allah remembers you. We are all going to be forgotten at any given point. You can be wealthy, you can be famous, you can be incredibly well off, you are going to be forgotten. Or you can be like someone like Nuh al-Islam who barely had any followers yet millions of people read about him till this very day in the Quran and millions of people have memorized the Quran, memorizing his story and everything that he did for his people. Even though he had a handful of followers, having a lot of followers, having a lot of people look up to you, being incredibly rich, being incredibly famous, whatever it might be, literally accounts to nothing. You are going to be forgotten so quickly and I know that everybody says that, but when you are remembered by Allah and you remember Allah, your account is not to be forgotten far before everything before me and you were even born you didn't know about me i didn't know about you we didn't know we didn't even know about each other we didn't even know we weren't even born we weren't even born and just like that at any given point eventually we will all be forgotten too but when you remember allah and you remember that his watchful eyes on you and that you want to be seen so deeply by god and you want to remember god and you know he'll remember you it changes everything and I really do feel like Nuh al-Islam's story is one of those things that a lot of people should think about. Because when we have a lot of followers or are really well off, we're like, okay, you know what? Like when I die, like some people are going to remember me. Mm-mm, they're not. They might shed a couple of tears, but they'll all forget you. They'll all forget you. And so at the end of the day, think about it. It's not necessarily followers. It's not necessarily how many people are, you know, accounting with you in this moment. It's about the fact that when you remember Allah, Allah will Allah will keep that alive. Allah will make your good deeds benefit you. Allah will help you. The Prophet peace be upon him. You know, now obviously he has billions of people that learn about him that, you know, part of the ummah and everything in the third. But at that time that wasn't that wasn't necessarily the case. That wasn't necessarily the case. And he was mocked at, he was made fun of at. He, people told him who's going to carry your legacy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala carried it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala carried it. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala carries you and your business and what you got going for you, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just carries you, 
you might not be remembered by everybody in this world, but you'll be remembered by Allah in the highest heavens. And I think that there is nothing more better than that. You'll be remembered by all of the beautiful things that you have done, inshallah. And when you get to Jannah, like what is the bigger, what is the bigger reward than that? You know, when you get a reward for something or you're supposed to get a reward for something and you're anticipating, when am I going to get that reward? And you think that the person that is supposed to give you that reward has forgotten, your Lord is not forgetful. So you can die and jillion years later, you know, people might forget about you people might think oh, i don't even remember what type of muslim that person was but god's remember god remembers god remembers what type of muslim you were god remembers that you were a muslim that deserved jannah and so he will give you that god is not forgetful at all and i think that that is what that ayah really taught me that god's not forgetful and so when you remember god and you know he remembers you back that is probably the only thing in life that i think you should chase so aggressively when it comes in the sense of you know wanting to be seen wanting to be remembered doesn't matter what you do for people you can do so many good things for people and people will still be like oh yeah i don't really remember that do you remember that like you can give everything and anything for people we talk about the ansars and how they gave so much to them when they first came and it's literally like just gave up their properties gave up their homes gave up everything and we talk about those sacrifices today because they remembered Allah. They did what they did for Allah, right? And so Allah remembered them. And we still talk about the sacrifices that the Ansar made today. We still talk about the sacrifices that the companions, that the Muslims, that the prophets, that all of them really made today. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. Me and you are not prophets. We're not, you know, some super noble people. We're people that try. And when you're a person that tries and you're a person that dies trying and you do it truly for the sake of Allah, God does not forget that. And I think that learning that in my teen years was probably the most valuable piece of information. And I hope that that is something a lot of other younger girls and just people in general can learn, um, especially if you're a girl. Because when you're a girl, that temptation, that desire, you know, there's this quote that's like, men want to see and women want to be seen. And that's exactly how the nature of this world is um don't give anybody anything to see <laughs> but um even generally like that constant scene and a, and a level of constantly wanting to post for people to see what you're up to to see what you're doing to get like this validation that i'm doing this right or i graduated let me post this picture i'm doing this i'm just, like you know once in a while i know people do it but like you know this constant thing that i want everybody to see i want people to see to kill, kill it kill that like that sense that urge of like i want people to see and just know that god seeing is very much plenty for you i rambled a lot right okay next question <laughs> that was a whole podcast episode in one question okay this next question is showing gratitude shukar already in our islamic way of life yes but i don't think we yes and no because I think that Islam deeply embeds gratitude. We've been told in the Quran in 14.7, like, if you're grateful, I will surely increase you. We're taught a lot about gratitude. And we see gratitude um, literally radiate, radiating from the prophets, peace be upon all of them. We see Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. You know, there's some different books that talk about how at one point they had to boil sticks because they had no food. And they were going through such a hard period. And then they also had to tie rocks to their stomach because they were so hungry and there was no food. And when you think about it, me and you go through the minorest inconveniences and we're ready to leave our deen. And we don't find anything to be grateful for. Yet them just being on Surat al-Mustaqim, them just being with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, them just knowing that their sacrifices are not going to waste. They did not leave Allah's path over a worldly affair it just it's kind of interesting because i think that gratitude is deeply embedded in islam and i think that we are taught constantly to be grateful for what you have um 
and always remember that there's someone who is below than you who's lesser than you doesn't have things that you have right who might just wish for what you have and it's it's kind of that analogy that i know that a lot of y'all heard and it's kind of some people might say chuggy but i think it is well said where if you're driving a car you think that okay i want that car that a person has on the road they have a better car um but there's a person who's driving a bike and they just wish that they had a car um they just wish that they weren't driving their bike in the cold and then there's somebody who is walking that just wishes they had a bike and then there's somebody who is just not able to walk that just wishes they could walk and then there's some people that you know don't even have the capability to see and they just wish that they could see so I know we've all heard analogies like these before but I think it's very much important to think about sometimes because you know sometimes like you get in your car and like let's say like your your AC is not working your heat's not working you know um which is rare a lot of the times because a lot of us we just go from our you know air-conditioned homes our air-conditioned cars work you know well kept temperatures we're not working out not going too crazy about nothing we're, we're well taken care of fed here fed there a lot of us you know let's just say like your car broke down and like, let's just say like maybe the ac or the heat's not working and you're driving and it's hot and you're pissed off you're angry oh my god i hate this car the ac's not working. there's somebody who probably has a car that the ac or the heat doesn't work all the time <laughs> there's a lot of cars out there that some of the older cars where you know maybe it's a broken down car maybe they don't have money to fix it and they can't fix it so they don't have the money to fix it and get like you know the ac system fixed and you're sitting here pissed off because your ac system broke down one day and then there's somebody who just wished they had a car like there's just so many things in our life to be grateful for and to be thankful for right um and i think that that's something that us muslims should really focus in more on but we don't because we always want to reach this next level um in this dunya but we should really be concerned about reaching this next level in the ahirat because that's the level that matters most so i do think it's kind of unfortunate because islam is extensive on gratitude and it's extensive on being grateful to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and through all trying times holding on to allah right not letting hard times not letting our duas not getting answered right like i've seen this a lot where duas don't get answered and people get mad at allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um and duas are just duas are just a request right those are a request it's not like you were ordering something and you know exactly what's going to come you're not ordering something off of amazon you didn't order you know a bag and you're expecting that same bag to show up at your door you paid for it you're expecting it in dua that that's not the case and you're, you're not paying anything you're not you know what i'm saying it's not like i ordered this so this it should come no that's not how that works but we treat it like that and since dua is such a fundamental concept of our deen and it's so big we misinterpret it and we tend to go astray from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of it but it's pure misunderstanding it's pure not understanding the concept of dua within itself we get mad when allah doesn't give us what we want and it's just it's disappointing because you think about it like the prophet peace be upon him the best of all creation had to tie a rock to his stomach because he was so hungry you know he, he went through so much distress so much hard times he went through so much yet there's me and you who are privileged well taken care of well fed always have food in our refrigerator always have clean water we always have a way to go to places we always have multiple pairs of clothes changing whatever that might be we have a family you know and then we're sitting here saying you know what my dua did not get answered i did not do i did not pass the exam the way i thought i would i'm starting to disbelieve in god God gave you a, you know, God gave you the ability to breathe. He gave you all these, your entire functioning body. You're not mad at him for that. 
he never asked for it. It's just, it's a lot to think about. And I think that gratitude, if us Muslims practiced it better, and we were more grateful for the fact that a lot of us, alhamdulillah, we're not living in countries where we are, you know, just literally, that, I don't know, mm, we're not living in countries where we are facing, you know, persecution left and right. We're not going through incredible hard times. No one's denying it. Like, yeah, you might go through Islamophobia. You might go through stuff. It's not easy. And some, some people might be. Some people might be living in incredibly diff- difficult countries. Um, I know from my listeners, personally, a lot of them, they live in like the UK or the US. And again, I'm not saying that there aren't struggles, but I'm just saying that there's just so many people in the world that have it worse than we do. And I'm not saying to minimize your struggles and be like oh you know what you're depressed it doesn't matter because guess what people have it worse no i'm not one of those people that believe in that i'm just saying generally sometimes we live in our bubbles so much we have a very comforting life we don't like to admit it um but we do have a very comforting life and we live in a comfort bubble where me and you most likely don't have to worry about where we're gonna get food from we don't have to worry about you know if i'm gonna have clothes to change into me and you don't have to worry about how i'm gonna shower we just go and shower we just eat we just change our clothes we live in a very comforting bubble and when things don't go our way or we don't get a dua answered or we fail an exam or we don't do good on anything or we don't get to marry the person that we wanted or you know just little little things we don't get we don't have stuff that goes our way um we get very ungrateful and we live in this bubble of ungratitude when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you so much to be grateful for I think that Islam preaches gratitude immensely I think that it's embedded within our teachings I just think that this is something that we aren't teaching one another and it's not something that we are willing to be taught and it's not something that we are willing to practice because it is something that it's hard it's hard to be like you know what things didn't go my way but i'm grateful for this and that because a lot of times you know shaitan he just wants you to focus on what you don't have he he just wants you to focus on what it could be what it should have been but remember past you know stuff like that like just oh what it could have been but if only this happened just these these hindsight matters and islam teaches you like no look ahead you have all of this with you and even through some of your biggest hardships you know if you are crying yourself to sleep you had a bed to sleep on to cry on and i get it again i'm not one of those people that are diminishing hardships and saying that if you're depressed and sad and da, 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 like oh stop it because you're so much grateful for no i've i feel like coming from a pakistani family and i think generally culturally you know and i've talked about this a lot if this is like the first episode mind you're listening to i think that islam has a very very big emphasis on seeking help and getting therapy and you know taking care of yourself if you're going through depression whatever taking care of yourself and getting help when needed i think that culture tells us not to and i think that is really culture that's like oh you know what you're depressed oh my god like you're just ungrateful no you can be you can be depressed and you can be praying you can be doing a lot of things you can be immensely grateful people have different trials and different tests that they go through but i do think that just for the average human being if you're someone who's not going through depression you're not going through ptsd you're not going through some of those things whatever it might be you're not going through suicidal ideation um a lot of times we're just kind of like oh i live a boring life or i like i just i hate my job or my job is repetitive every day like if you're somebody who's just you know or i just i'm sick and tired of school i'm sick and tired of this or i I hate the fact that my daughter didn't answer like just you know the common norm problems that a lot of people face i get it no one's saying that you should put yourself in places that you hate or stay depressed or stay with suicidal ideation right no one's saying that but it's kind of like just every day wake up and just choose to be a little bit grateful i'm not sitting here saying that if you have problems you're depressed and you face suicidal ideation or whatever that oh being grateful is just gonna wipe it all away and the reason why you have those problems is because you're not grateful no no um the prophets peace be upon peace be upon all the more immensely grateful they all had lots of problems did they not they did it's foolish and it's stupid to say stuff like that in my opinion um but i think generally 
but just generally just something to think about not saying that that's gonna you know wipe away your problems or any of the problems that you have is because of that just generally saying um wake up and be grateful be grateful i know that you will have problems we all have problems but we should never let our problems become so big that we lose sight of why we're here on this dunya we lose sight of all that allah has given us okay the next question's very interestingly um attached to it what are three things would you like to say thank you for to allah right now um i always say this um, I think the ability to just be able to live, I think that the ability to just be alive, to have a routine, to have yourself going, to just be here, I think that that's something you should be grateful for. I think that the ability always to have clean water, to have a bed, to have a home, to have your family, um, I think the ability and the the just to give thanks for the fact that we know how to pray, we know how to read the Quran, we have the Quran, that we are Muslim, that we have been given this deen. Um, whether you are someone who converted to Islam or reverted to Islam or whether you are somebody who's always been Muslim, like the ability to know this deen. Um, I think that there should be a sense of gratitude that you're spending your time listening to an Islamic podcast and not anything else. Ooh. <laughs> um, I know that's something I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that my time is being used doing this. I just think that there's a lot of things to be grateful for. I think that there's gratitude and just being able to do little things. Mm. Hashtag gratefulness. Hashtag grateful Hera hashtag i don't know what the next hashtag is like next question what does the mosque mean to you that's cute um feels like home i feel like no matter what mosque you go to they all just kind of feel like home like they all just kind of feel immense amount of peace i feel like i remember the first time i remember when i first moved and i was very very having a hard time um because there wasn't a lot of stuff around me, not a lot of Muslim community around me. And I remember the first time that I was, I went to go pray Juma after I was going through so much, right? Like I was, I was going through a really hard time. And so I thought to myself, like, how about I go to the masjid and pray Juma, right? Um, and then I went to the masjid and pray Juma and I heard the Adhan and I just wanted to bawl my eyes out. And I felt so at home. I felt so happy. It was just everything that I could ask for and more. And I think that I think that generally, even now, when I go to the mosque, I just want to bawl my eyes out. I feel like something about the mosque just makes me want to bawl my eyes out. Because I'm just, I'm, I feel, it's like a feeling where you feel so grateful to be, you know, in a place where everyone is just there to remember Allah. And I think that that's something that I love a lot. And I think that I know that there's a lot of people, um, I think that I know, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I know a lot of people that, um, do have difficult relationships with the mosques because of some problems that have come up in their life or the people there i know that that's a common place where you kind of get mosque hurt i don't like to use that term um or you had experiences from people that weren't so pleasant and i always you know i always tell people it's the it's the person that hurt you it's not the it's not the mosque i know some people that are terrified to walk into the mosque i know a lot of people actually unfortunately that are terrified to go into the mosque and they're like i'm gonna be judged i'm gonna look down upon but that's the mosque is not the place for that allah's home is a home where you go to worship him you take you know you you learn more about your deen you learn more about why you're there and it's just a place where you get closer to god and i feel like you know the people that are hindrance to that you know and especially in allah's home it's not i don't think it's something that is looked down upon lightly and i don't think that that's something that should be acceptable but i don't think that you should ever remove your relationship with god or stop going to the mosque because of the people there 
you know, if it's, I just think that that's something that is important, having this relationship with remembering Allah, even if not at the mosque, like, you know, just praying at home, like having an area in your home where it just, it just feels like, you know, like I can, I can just ball my eyes out here. This is my comfort space, my, you know, my little corner. And I have quite a few corners in my house <laughs> that I have abducted, literally abducted from my family. I'm like, this is my corner. Don't come here. Um, that I've abducted. And I think that just, I, it's not even like a mosque just in general. I think that just remembering Allah should be something that brings you immense peace and i think that going to the mosque i know a lot of people are nervous they feel like oh, i'm gonna get judged or they feel concerned just go you know i have a friend who is incredibly introverted incredibly introverted um i knew her for almost a year and in the first six months of me knowing her she made it clear that i'm incredibly introverted she was super sweet super loving super big on like texting let's talk but she was very introverted like she did not like to meet up she didn't really like to come to plans um and she made it clear she's like bro like i'm literally trying but i'm just so used to being in this cocoon of not meeting up with people not doing things for the past three years that whenever you come to me and you're energetic like oh hey let's go here let's go do this with that i'm just kind of like what's going on with this girl and i was just like girl like it's not that deep like we can just hang out like we don't got anything elaborate right and i knew she was really trying so i I, the next you know section i started hanging out with her and i like started to call her more so slowly i just started to kind of call her more and i was like hey like you can come like i'm alone it's just me i'm just studying um whatever whatever and she would start showing up and then it would be like every morning she'd be like okay so where are you at because like i'm gonna come let's hang out and then it slowly started to become like you know like she's she got more comfortable with hanging out some of in the other people in our friend group and then she was just kind of like okay let's go out for lunch let's do this let's do that and like she always said this to me she's like here you're like this energetic ball and you literally came and you like pulled me from my introvert corner <laughs> and i'm so glad you did because like we had so many good experiences and i think that that's the thing for a lot of people like sometimes people are really introverted um not because that's how they have always been but because like for the past few years or just you know for some time like they haven't necessarily had anybody they clicked with or they don't have a lot of interaction with people whatever that might be or they might be even consumed really much in their own problems and that was kind of the case with some of my friends when they're really consumed in their own problems and i was like okay we got to get you out of this so let's go somewhere let's do something you want to do something and they started to come out of it and then they always like people the people think about it and i think people do i know for me like some of my friends i'm always grateful that they took me out of my little corners whenever i got like super sad or got too consumed in problems and they feel the same and so i think that alhamdulillah um may keep them that way but i think that it's important so like even in the mosque like when you meet people like sometimes people are going through things and they haven't you know it's been a minute since they've been able to talk it out with somebody like just go up to somebody the worst thing is they're gonna be like oh no i don't want to hang out with you and then you're just like okay it's okay maybe some other time you know whatever or just like even if you have someone's name and their phone number and whatever and like you all know each other your acquaintances and you know they're going through a problem like just just be there just be there um some people they really do want to create friendships they do want to get out of the bubble they do want to not be so introverted they do want to make memories but they're just really shy and it's really hard or they're really nervous or they're going through a lot or they just need someone to make the first move and i made the first move in a lot of things i am a first move type of gal in everything because i'm one of those people that if i don't do it it just don't seem to get done i'm kidding um in some cases like that and in some cases when i I know someone's genuinely trying and they just kind of need me to make the first move to kind of help them and start them up i do not mind at all making the first move i always do because i know that that's something sometimes that you know people just kind of need to maybe feel more comfortable and then after that you'll be shocked some of your most introvert introverted friends will be making the moves will be making the plans they'll be so 
excited, all of that. So give them a shot. Give people that you, you know, even see occasionally a shot. People are going through things. It takes time for everybody to warm up and open up. I mean, look at me, for example. I was so quiet when I started this podcast. Now look at me. I don't shut up. But anyway, I hope y'all like this episode. I know it's long. I know it didn't answer a lot of questions, but inshallah, I'll make a part two to this. Um, I hope you guys like this episode. Please give me some feedback. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Take care of yourself. Asalaamu Alaikum.